Good morning. Welcome to Life Point today. If you're here for the first time, thanks for coming and sharing part of your morning with our church. Hope you can come back for a few weeks and see what we're all about as a church. I'd love to meet you after the service. Please come down front. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm the lead pastor. I'd love to just meet with you, hear a little bit about your story and what brought you here today. We're still in the series called Summer at the Lake because it's still summer and we're looking at a lot of things that Jesus taught around this lake called the Sea of Galilee. In the last few weeks, we've heard from uh, members of our teaching team, John and Rob and Cindy and a guest speaker last week, and they have done an amazing job uh, letting me have a little break and also uh, teaching from God's word and encouraging us how to apply the teachings of Jesus to our day-to-day life. So we're going to pick up in this series on the next part. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. Ushers will give you one of those. We give these out every week at LifePoint because we want everybody to have a Bible in their hands. So just let them know. They'll give you one. You can keep it or use it, or you can just read on the screen as I share from God's Word for the next few minutes. Well, I remember this time a few years ago in my life when when what was normally self-confidence almost overnight turned to fear. And what was normally this really positive outlook on the future, all of a sudden, it was negative. And, and everybody has moments like that. And so I had this, this moment, and I knew it was there. And, and usually what I do, I, I do what I tell people when I counsel with them. It's like, well, feel bad for a day, and then get over it. You know, you'll be okay. But it didn't work that quickly. So I thought, well, if I just try harder, then the future will look better. So I tried really hard, and it, it didn't. Maybe I should just pray more. I'll do that and that'll work. And it didn't. And what was normally something very easy for me to discipline my way out of, I couldn't get myself where I needed to be. And I felt hopeless. Some of you may have come here today feeling a little bit hopeless. And dealing with anger that you think, why can't I get past this? dealing with pain and regret that that just continues to eat at you and you're thinking, I'm helpless. How can I get past this? How can I get past these problems that are in my life? I've tried, I've worked, I've prayed, I've sought counsel, advice, and they're still here. Well, today's section of scripture we're going to look at, the ministry of Jesus, is about a guy who was hopeless and helpless I didn't know where he was going to turn, and we're going to look at how his interaction with Jesus changed his life forever. The story takes place in the book of Mark, chapter 2. Jesus is in this small fishing village on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum, where Jesus ends up doing a lot of ministry, kind of serves as his base of operations, and, and Jesus is getting ready to teach us something that could forever change our lives if we apply it. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. So picture this. Jesus Just before this episode, Jesus had healed a man with leprosy. 
And Jesus said something very interesting to him. He said, don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know. Now, why would Jesus heal somebody and say, don't tell anybody? Because Jesus didn't want people showing up for the next magic trick. And so he said, hey, don't tell anybody. And like a very good moral follower of Christ, this guy told everybody. If it would have been today, he would have, he would have tweeted it immediately and Instagrammed it and said, hey, no leprosy, look. Have you, you've been around that kind of person, you know, they tweet everything, everything that happens, you know, they got to let the world know about it. You know, this guy let everyone know about it. And so now Jesus can't even get any free time. He's got people on him all the time. And we pick up this scene in this house with this huge crowd who have no doubt come out to see the Jesus show, figure out what he can do for them. There's two groups of people there. There are people who genuinely are showing up to see who Jesus is, maybe get healed, maybe get something from him, maybe learn something. Then there's another group of people, religious teachers and leaders who are wondering, who is this guy and why is he attracting more attention than us? So let's go figure out what he's all about. So there's two groups of people listening intently to what Jesus says. And while this is going on, Jesus is teaching, people are listening, religious leaders are trying to find a way to trap him here's what happens. The next verse says, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. That's simple. Good friends carrying this guy who can't walk on a mat. They've each got a corner and they're carrying him down the street because they've heard about this Jesus who can heal people. He healed a guy with leprosy. We, we heard him telling about it. So maybe he can heal our friend. If we could just get him in the presence of Jesus, maybe he can fix him. But they show up at the house and it's crowded. It's people everywhere. They can't even get near the house. Do you like standing in lines? I don't know where I'm going to lunch today, but I'm not going where there's a line. I'll drive halfway across town to not stand in line. And it probably takes more time. I just, I'm not good at that. If I show up at a restaurant, no matter what, and I see a line, I'm like, we're circling. We're not going in there. If I show up at Starbucks and there's this big, long line, I'd drive down to the next one where there's probably a big, long line. I mean, I don't like, we're all like that. We don't like waiting. And here these guys show up with this, their friend, and they're thinking, okay, let, there's got to be a way around this. Just like we think when we see a big line, there's got to be some other way. They're just trying to get their friend to the place where Jesus is, and it's packed, it's oversold. And at this point, they could say, yeah, man, we tried really hard. We're just going to have to carry you back home. But then they start to get creative because they know if we can just get this guy in the presence of Jesus, maybe something would happen. And verse four says, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Right down in front of Jesus. Just think of this. They're saying it's too crowded. There's not a clear path. We can't get through the door. How are we going to get through? And then like so many times in our lives, somebody in the group says, hey, you know what we ought to do? You know what we ought to do? Let's dig a hole through the roof. And whoever thought of that, I'm sure the other guys were like, well, that's a great idea. You got anything else? No, let's dig a hole through the roof. Let's vandalize this person's house. And that way, Jesus has to listen. He's going to have plaster and rocks and straw falling on his head. He'll listen. 
He'll pay attention. Let's do it. So they get him up onto this tiny little house. And they start digging a hole. Because they have to get their friend to Jesus. And I, maybe the, the guy on the Madison guys just keep trying because I, I hear he can heal people and I'm desperate. I want to be able to walk. And if you went to the doctor today and you heard there's nothing we can do for you, you would start Googling alternative care. And you would figure out where can I go? What can I do? What all alternative thing can I do that might make me better? He was desperate. He had no hope. And if it took digging a hole through a roof and destroying somebody else's house, then so be it because he needed to be in the presence of Jesus and desperate people do desperate things. And all of a sudden, they lower this guy down. And Jesus may be dusting off the dust on the top of his head. And there's a moment where he is fully in the presence of Jesus and Jesus starts to speak. And he's probably anticipating, he's going to tell me to walk. He's going to touch me. My legs are going to straighten out. He's going to help me. And here's what Jesus says. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. He's probably like, hey, Jesus, you got the wrong guy. I didn't come to get my, I'm not thinking about forgiveness. I'm thinking about my legs. Do you see this? I can't walk. And you're talking about my sins are forgiven? And the other four guys are like, we dug a hole in the roof and risked going to jail for that? Jesus can't even see what the problem is? And Jesus recognizes the guy's got a much, much bigger problem. And they're probably really confused. And religious leaders start to get really mad. So you've got confused people and angry people. Because the religious people... Jesus is getting in on their territory. If he start, they start talking about forgiveness and it becomes as easy as Jesus speaking it, they're out of a job because they had a system set up to where people had to go through them to get forgiveness. And if you've ever been stuck in a system where you got to go through a person on earth to get God to forgive you, you know how much that traps you. You know how hard it is to really get to where God wants you to be when you got to go through a person, a flawed, messed up person. And the religious leaders knew, well, hold on a second. If you start forgiving people, that's not good. It's too easy. It's just words you're speaking. It's got to be hard. They got to try hard. They got to do, they got to perform. And Jesus just says, no, your sins are forgiven. And here's what happens. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? It doesn't really say much beyond that, but they're just thinking this. They're not saying it. Imagine you're driving in the car and your wife looks at you and says, why did you just think that? I mean, what's your first thing? Stop thinking, stop thinking, stop thinking. You know, you don't want to think anymore. You got to be careful thinking in the presence of Jesus because he hears it. He knows And he looks at them, he's like, why are you questioning this? And they're outraged. And then Jesus uses this moment to teach them this deeper truth. That if we get it, it can change our life. It changed their lives. It can change everything about you. And if we can apply what Jesus is getting ready to teach, 
and we find ourselves in desperation, we find ourselves dealing with fear and anger and regret over and over and over again, if we can apply what Jesus is about to teach, our lives can change. So Jesus says this, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So which is easier to say? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? Well, think about it. Which one's easier to see? If you came down front and said, I want my sins forgiven, we would pray. I would ask you to pray. And you could leave and I would say, they're forgiven. But I wouldn't see it. How would I? I wouldn't really know. I just know you said words. So can't really see that. You just have faith in that. But if you came down and said, hey, I can't walk. Can you fix my leg? And I fixed it. You could see that. Immediately, you would, that would be three seconds. You would know whether or not I was a hoax. You would know really fast what was going on. So imagine Jesus is down the street. I, I just now said that I say, hey, down at Dunkin' Donuts, Jesus is there. He'll be there in 10 minutes. You go see him. This place will hopefully be empty. And we would all go down to Dunkin' Donuts and we would take our bills and our regrets. Maybe the lab report you got from the doctor. Maybe the separation agreement you made with your spouse. Maybe... Lots of other things that you're just dealing with, your addictions, your diagnosis, and you would say, Jesus, take care of this for me. I, I need this out of my life. I need a better way to deal with this. And you give it, Jesus this stack of stuff, and he just pushes it to the side and says, your sins are forgiven. Okay, I know that, but get, what about this stuff? I want to deal with this stuff. It seems like, I mean, I would be saying, Jesus, are, you, are we communicating here? I got stuff going on in my life I need you to deal with, and you're just talking about forgiveness. So Jesus ends up doing something that only Jesus can do in this story. He forgives his sins. Only Jesus can do that. And he's trying to get them to see things. Why would he do that in that order? Because why couldn't he just heal the guy and then say, okay, see, I said I was who, um, who I said I was, and everybody believed me. But he starts with the core of the problem. And Jesus is trying to teach them this eternal truth to help them gain an eternal perspective. See, there's something deeper going on than what they can see. I mean, they see what's outward, just like in our life. We see what's on the outside, but Jesus is trying to get them to look deeper. If you're taking notes, here's some, some observations from this story that we can really take away and apply to our lives. Just like the guy that was paralyzed on the mat, my immediate problems can cause me to miss my real needs. The things that I see immediately in my life that I think are problems can, can mask what's re, what the problem really is. They can kind of skew my vision. You remember a few years ago, 
when Toyota had this problem with an accelerator sticking. If you had one of those cars, you're like, oh yeah, I remember. People were dying. They would put the, you know, put the accelerator down, it would stick wide open and they would crash. And so there's lawsuits, there's all these recalls, they're trying to figure it out. And the first thing they say is, what's the problem, Toyota? It's the carpet. We're gonna give everybody new floor mats, everybody's gonna be happy, and now the accelerator won't stick. But then somebody said, now what's really the problem? Well, the real problem is not really the carpet because that didn't fix it. The firewall on certain cars was pushed out a little bit further and when uh, the carpet was applied to the top of that and then the accelerator went in, it sometimes caused it to stick. Well, why was the firewall designed that way? Because this is a, a worldwide company, one of the most successful car companies and why in the world would this firewall be designed that way? Well, we're trying to maximize profits. Well, who decided that? One manager in one city was under pressure to maximize profits, and so he had a redesign done of the firewall, which caused the carpet to stick out, which caused the mat to stick out, which caused the accelerator to stick. So what the, on the surface, it looked like one thing, but when they really started digging a little deeper, it's something else. And that's how our lives play out as well. See, what comes out as one thing is not really the problem. You may, you may deal with anger. You may yell at your spouse. You may yell at your kids. People may think you're just a grumpy person. Is it anger you're dealing with or is it a desire to be in control? Because if you keep digging and keep going a little deeper, it's control. And you might, maybe you wonder, every time we talk about money at church, you know, and you're reaching around for your wallet, holding on a little bit tighter, thinking, oh, why are they doing that? And you're not a generous person with your church or anywhere else. Is that because you have a problem with generosity or because your security is based in the wrong place? And for those of you who are single, you just, you just keep giving yourself away physically, sexually, over and over and over again. Is the problem that you just can't control yourself? That he or she is so hot that you just can't keep your clothes on? Is that the problem? Or is the problem that you just deal with this insecurity that you think this one more thing, I'm going to feel what I need to feel. I'm going to have the acceptance I need to have. And maybe you haven't been able to make it this first 16 minutes I've been talking because you're thinking about lunch and food and just getting to just fill your face and, and, and just getting to eat and just maybe that's what you're going to do the rest of the day and, 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 and then you end up gaining weight and being out of shape and is it because you have an eating problem or is it because you're looking to the wrong place for comfort or maybe you haven't been able to make it through the day so far without worrying about something about someone about something is it worry or is it just fear? And on and on and on. The immediate problem is not the focus. It's not, it's not what the problem really is. It's a symptom of the problem. So when, in my life, when I was dealing with this fear and this inability to make a decision and this second guessing everything, was it, was it because I'd totally become ineffective as a leader when I started dig and dig and dig and dig and find out, it was just something from childhood that I'd never dealt with in a real way. It wasn't that all of a sudden, okay, Donnie's not confident anymore, he can't lead. Or this positive guy's no longer positive anymore. It was, that's how 
what masking a problem was coming out, how it was coming out in my life. So why is this guy paralyzed? doesn't really say. But I know why, because we live in a broken world and bad things happen and, and people are born not whole and accidents happen that are no fault of your own and it's just the result of living in a broken world. When you get... You don't get this if you're in your 20s. So you, can just, you can just turn it off. Maybe even in your early 30s, you don't get it. Teenagers, no way you get it. But when you get over 40, you start to get some things. One of the things is, this thing is temporary. This body's temporary. I mean, I can feel it. I can see it. Some t- look in the mirror and go, oh my gosh, look at that. There used to be hair right there. I don't, so I don't even look. I don't have a mirror where I can see the back of my head. You know, and if you want to laugh when I turn around, you can laugh. That's fun. But I don't see it. It looks great to me. Or I see a gray or something's not where it used to be and it kind of moved around on me and it just can't really do anything about it. And I'm doing everything I can, everything I possibly can. Three years I haven't drank artificial sweetener. Three years? I haven't had a French fry since 2010. I don't even crave them anymore. It took a couple years to get through that. I mean, I still eat things I shouldn't eat and, and... and drink things I shouldn't drink, but, but still sugar. I'm talking about sugar, things with sugar in it, okay? <laughs> I, I thought through that and thought, that didn't sound right. I drink things with lots of sugar in it, all right? Write that down. <laughs> but it just, little by little, I'm seeing that, hey, this, this body, as much as I take care of it, exercise as often as I can, as often as I should, it's still going to die. Now, that makes lunch real exciting, doesn't it? Like, thanks, that's an encouraging message I heard today. I'm going to die, and, and we're done. I mean, don't misunderstand me. Let's take care of our bodies. That honors God when we actually take care of our bodies and make them fit. That honors God with what he gave us. But what's more important that we get fit is our soul, because that is eternal. And that honors God like nothing else. See, if Jesus says to this guy, hey man, get up and walk, eventually something else is gonna happen. He's gonna get a disease. He might walk out in the street and get run over by a camel. Something's gonna happen to this guy eventually. So Jesus starts with that which is eternal and he's trying to get all those people to see that. Imagine that I'm just walking along here and all of a sudden I fall pass out and fall in the floor, break my leg as I'm falling off the stage. Or you get up today when you stand up and you trip over the edge of the seat and you break your leg. It's a really bad break and you go to the best orthopedic doctor in the area and they fix your leg and and they're like, look at that leg. You can't even tell anything ever happened to it. Isn't it perfect? And eventually you're gonna say, why did I faint? I don't know why you fainted, but look at your leg. Your leg's perfect. And then you die of a heart attack. Because nobody thought to say, why did they faint? What, what made them get lightheaded? Well, their heart's not pumping to full capacity, but look at his leg. It's great. And Jesus is trying to get us and them to think deeper. Jesus wants us to do, wants to do more than make us better today. He wants to make us better forever. And in this case, just to go ahead and teach them a lesson and to get them to think in the right order, 
Jesus does what people can see in hopes that they'll believe in what they can't. It says, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praising God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. The guy was healed. People were going, did you see that? We was listening to Jesus. Roof, got, roof opened up. A guy came down. There's all this talk about forgiveness. Then Jesus says, stand up and walk. Why did Jesus do that? To show them, if you want to know if I have the power on earth to forgive sins, which is the most important thing, let me make this guy walk too, and maybe you'll believe that I can do the other. Let me start with what you can see, and maybe you'll believe what you can't see. And so all the people stood there and their eyes really big open. And, and I'm sure the other people who were there who had physical problems said, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. What about me? I mean, does Jesus heal people today? Yes. Does he physically heal people? Yes. Does he physically heal everybody? No. He did it then when he was on earth. Jesus would have walked down the street and walked by people who were blind and walked by people who had leprosy and walked by people who couldn't walk. And he didn't just say, I heal everybody physically, get up and walk, you can now see you're no longer lepers. In fact, there's very few times in scripture when it talks about Jesus physically healing people. But Jesus went one step further and did something that nobody else could do. He did one act that could forgive everybody. 100% of the people can get in on forgiveness. 100% of people can get in on God's grace, whether you can walk or not, whether you can see or not. And sometimes, for some reason, God touches some people physically. And I don't know why. But he touches all people spiritually if they're open to him. And you can be assured of that. So whatever it is you're praying for, for God to do and change, keep praying and know he can do it. But know beyond that, that God can and will heal your soul. Here's the last thing we can take away from this story. I do what I can do, and Jesus will do what only he can do. See, I found myself this week as I read through the story again, I started thinking about me and the times I needed people to carry me into the presence of Jesus. When things were tough for me and I didn't know where to turn, and I, I, I was hurting and, and, and feeling alone and not knowing what to do, and and, and wondering what the future was going to be like. I had friends that picked up my mat and said, you need to get with Jesus and that'll, that's going to start healing. And it did. And sometimes I'm the one that's so tired. I'm just laying there and I need somebody to pick me up and help. And you have people like that in your life. And if you don't, come and say to me today, I don't have anybody like that in my life and we'll help you get connected with people who will carry you because sometimes you need it. No matter how big and strong and, and experienced you are, sometimes you need it and you're the person who needs to be carried into the presence of Jesus. And sometimes I'm the guy holding the corner of the mat saying, hey, let, let me help you. Let me just get you with Jesus and, and life is going to change. That, 
That's why I'm, I'm not the best counselor in the world because I, it's pretty simple. Let's, let's help you see Jesus. And that's going to help more than anything else. Now go to a professional. Go to them and so you can help get, go through the process of healing and recuperating. Do that. But if you want counseling from me, it's going to come back to let me get you in the presence of Jesus. And if we can do that, that'll take you a long way down the road to healing. And spiritually, it will heal you 100% of the time. So sometimes you're the person that needs to be carried, and sometimes you're the person who carries somebody else. Something that we are so excited about every year is fall. Because you know what happens in the fall? Summer's over. And everybody goes back to school, especially if you're on traditional calendar. And things get back into routine. And believe it or not, people come back to church. And there's no more seats anymore. There's no more empty seats. There hasn't been a lot of empty this summer, but it's even more so. And on August 24th, we're doing this big fall kickoff. I can't wait to tell you all about that. In the next couple of weeks, back up one week on August 17th, and there's going to be people following Christ in baptism at our next baptism service. And if you're ready to take that step, you just indicate that on that Connect card, and we'll get in touch with you. But those are some dates that you can say, I need to invite this person because I know I know I can invite them into the presence of Jesus. I need to help carry them through the roof. And I want to encourage you to look out and say, who do I need to take through the roof? Who do I need to help? You know, over the last few baptisms, I've noticed this trend over the last six months that people are following Christ in baptism who are in a grow group. A grow group at LifePoint is just a, a gender-based group of five to seven people who open up God's word in a certain way and we study it and talk about it and apply it to our lives and share our lives with each other. And then a few months ago, this person was being baptized and I noticed other people hanging around them and, and I figured out, oh, that's their grow group. That's people helping carry them into the presence of Jesus and helping them make their next decision. And then the next baptism service, there was somebody else. And the next one, there was somebody else. People getting others into the presence of Jesus so they can experience forgiveness. And the guys carrying this paralyzed man didn't even know that, that, that this guy was going to leave forgiven and healed. A few weeks ago, this bright young lady came to us and said, I want to do that. I, I want to be baptized. But there were some obstacles. The obstacles was she's confined to a wheelchair and our baptistry, if you've ever seen it set up, it looks like a hot tub. We call it the hot tub. It's about that tall. And, and you know, there's no way to wheel anybody into it. And I want you to see some pictures of this, of this young lady as she made her decision a few weeks ago. And people carried her picked her up and carried her and put her in the baptistry so she could experience that connection with Christ that you can get no other way. And friends, as you go through there, you see the people who were influential in helping carry her into the presence of Jesus. And, and she wheeled out in her wheelchair, but she's becoming a spiritual giant. All because somebody's willing to say, I will carry you where you need to go. I will help you get where you need to be. I can't fix you, but I know who can. And for you, it can be as easy as saying, come to church with me. 
Just come to church. You just got to come and experience this with me. Your kids will love it. You're going to love it. The music's awesome. It's going to be great. Just come to church with me. It could be that simple for you. Because we do what only we can do. We do, like, we, we helped her get up in the baptistry. We did the physical act. That's everything we can do to help somebody make this commitment to Christ. But then Jesus does what only he can do. He forgives and he applies grace. Only he can do that. It's nothing you can earn or be good enough for or, or go to the right church to get. It's, it's Jesus and you. And Jesus doing what only he can If you've never experienced that, I would love to talk to you after the service. Please come down and when we're all finished here today and just say, I I want to experience that forgiveness that only Jesus gives. And may the rest of you go today, remember this story and identify, do I need to be carried or do I need to carry somebody? Where am I? Because wherever you are, you can experience either removing obstacles for other to get, others to get to know Jesus or you can experience the forgiveness that only he can give. Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing story. May we learn from it. May we apply it to our lives. And may it change us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.